0: Hello and welcome to People of Passion, the program where we learn about the passions of interesting people. I'm your host, Josh Ellison, and today we have nutritionist Nicole Van Quatham. All right, Nicole, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited.
0: I know. It's the first time having you in the studio. Yes. Uh, I'm glad that I could have you in. So let's just jump right into it. You are the nutritionist, first nutritionist on the show. Ooh. Give me a little bit of your background. How did you get into? What got you interested in nutrition?
1: All right. Are you ready for this? It's kind of like a long, convoluted story because there's like a lot of different facets to it. But I'll try to, you know, keep on a good path here so you guys can understand. But it actually kind of goes back to my childhood. Um, although I didn't really get into nutrition until I was an adult, so when I was in elementary school, I started experiencing like a lot of digestive issues, um, and of course, like I went to the doctor and all that stuff, and it was frustrating because I wasn't really getting any support or help from the medical system, and so it was honestly like years of discomfort that I was experiencing, and I won't get into the details, but. It was um, really tough, and finally, I think I conclude that part of it was a lactose intolerance. Okay, <laughs> which I know sounds like really trivial, but it's kind of sad that like I couldn't even have a doctor tell me to like avoid dairy. Um, but then into actually into high school, things got worse, and I started experiencing like daily headaches. I was also experiencing migraines from time to time, which was Weird. like yeah. And so at first, because there is a history of migraines on my dad's side with like the females, like my aunt, my grandmother had migraines. I was like, oh, it's just genetic, right? Like it's fine. And that was also tough because like my doctor, I can remember I had to go in like probably three times until she actually gave me medication for my migraines because she didn't believe me. I had to bring my mom in. I was like 18 or 19. And my mom had to literally come to the doctors with me and be like, No, like, she literally can't go to, like, school for, like, a week sometimes because, like, she can't, like, function. Like, you're
0: lying about getting headaches. Yeah, like, why would I want headaches? Why would you lie about that?
1: Yeah, so, like, it was really frustrating. And she also told me to take Advil every day for, like, those more, like, mild daily headaches. Um, Long story short, I don't know how familiar you are with this, but things like Advil and naproxen are actually really damaging to your gut. Oh,
0: the stomach lining, yeah.
1: And I was experiencing gut issues. So here I am already experiencing gut issues and that kind of being thrown to the side. And I remember too in high school, she said, oh, just take this pill every day. It should help with like your potential IBS symptoms. And I was like, even as like a teenager who didn't really know much about this stuff, I was like, that doesn't seem like doesn't a good— Doesn't seem right. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. Like, I have to take this, like, Advil every day and this pill. is like— So I actually didn't. But, like, mind you, I was still, like, eating pizza, like, all the time at lunch and stuff, even though I was locked as a dollar. I was like, I want to be cool like my friends. I love pizza, though. I know. I love pizza. Yeah. I was in high school. I didn't know better. I didn't know, like, the long-term effects of, like, eating all this, like, crappy food as someone who had, like, digestive issues. Yeah. So, um, I mean, live and learn, whatever. Um, But yeah, then into university, I actually finally saw my first holistic nutritionist. Mm -hmm. um, And that was something I kind of found on my own. Uh, My doctor didn't recommend it or anything. And even though I didn't really have a budget to like see her regularly, it was interesting because she gave me like such simple tips, which impacted my health like drastically. So I went from like Hopefully this isn't like too TMI, but I went from like having like severe, severe gas and bloating all the time to like actually feeling like a normal human and like not having migraines like once a week. Mm-hmm. And that was just from like little changes, to like my diet, um, which was now that I look back, was like kind of pretty basic information that no one was telling me. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't afford to like, keep seeing her. So it's not like my symptoms were just like gone. Mm-hmm. Um So really, that's when I kind of got interested into nutrition because I had to do a lot of research on my own in order to kind of figure out what was going on with my body. It was like, okay, I'm feeling better, but like I'm looking at everyone else and I know that there's still something missing because I was experiencing like extreme fatigue. And I wasn't one of those university students staying up late. Like I was a grandma going to bed at like 10 and waking up at like 7, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's not because I was like, you know, pulling all-nighters. But I like literally couldn't get through like an afternoon without like needing a nap. And I like would still like get like bloated and like uncomfortable after eating like healthy foods. So I was like, what's what's going on here? So then I went to grad school, which is like was super high stress. And I don't know how much you know about irritable bowel syndrome, but stress and IBS don't go well together. Oh, for sure. Um, So I wasn't feeling super hot in grad school, <laughs> um, which is kind of my own doing. But again, I was eating like probably the cleanest I ever had because I didn't have roommates. So it's actually like eating.
0: Oh, true. All the food in the fridge is yours. Literally. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah.
1: And it's kind of funny. I'm like, wow, wow. I even now, like I'm thinking back, I'm like, I don't even think I've ate that healthy since literally grad school, which is interesting. Um, but there's again, there was a missing piece. And that's when I saw a naturopath and they like did food sensitivity testing on me. I got blood work done for various things, took like supplements. I can't even remember it's so long ago. But like, I was like, wait, this is how like normal people feel. Like, I literally didn't realize how crappy I was feeling all the time. Um, also, during that time, I noticed that I had these lumps in my eyelids, um, which I could, like, literally pull my eyelids down and, like, see them. And it was really weird. I was home for the holidays during grad school. And so I was at my parents' house, and I noticed them because I had, like, my eye was itchy. I think I had, like, an eyelash in it or something. And I was like, oh. That looks kind of weird. I should probably get that checked out. So I went to my optometrist in Tulsenburg, actually, in my hometown. And um, they're like, Oh, like I'll refer you to a specialist close to Guel for your going to school. And I'm like, perfect. So I went to the specialist and they were like, it's nothing. It's probably just like an allergy to something, or like mm-hmm. they actually told me, which I'm really dumb now that I look back, they're like, oh, it looks like it could just be like mascara or something that got like caught in your eyelid. And something formed over it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it makes… I'm like, I never wear mascara. So, like, why did I agree that that was a good explanation? I was like, oh, yes, of course.
0: When when these professional people say, oh, it's nothing. It's probably just this. And they're shirking it off. Yeah. just shrugging off your your issue. It makes you feel like, oh, well, if they're not concerned, why should I be… They're 100%. probably right because they're the… They know me better than I do, apparently.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, like, what? I don't know anything about eyes. Like, I was, you know, doing some self-exploration research in order for to support my digestive health, but in terms of eye health, like, I don't know anything about eye health, right? So, they told me to come back in a year so they could, like, dilate my pupils and stuff, but it was kind of getting close to that year mark, and I noticed that they were growing, and I was like, well, that's a little alarming. Maybe I should safe hand get in earlier. Mm -hmm. So, I got in earlier, same specialist. I don't think I was in grad school at this point anymore. But anyways, I went back and had to bring my mom so she could drive me home. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I was
0: like, you had to get the drops in?
1: Yeah, I'm like, I can't see normal. Um, And again, she told me it was nothing. So something wasn't sitting right. And I'm pretty in tune with my body. Probably the most is now. Like, I'm really in tune with my body. But by then, I was already kind of getting like, I was like, no, like something's not right. So I actually went back to my optometrist in Tolstinburg, my hometown. And he was like, He didn't say what he had saw, but he had recently gone to a conference and he's like, oh yeah, something's not sitting right with me. Like I saw something at a conference and I'm going to send you to London instead. So I was like, all right, cool. And now also looking back, it's crazy how like all these things you realize, like looking back, you're like, wow, like I was really just trusting doctors and stuff. (laughs) I didn't really know what's going on. Um, So I went to London St. Joseph's Hospital and they were like, oh, the, what do you call it? There's like the actual eye doctor and then the like medical student. Why am I having like a brain fart right Optometrist. now? Optometrist. They weren't like optometrists. They're actually like medical doctors. But they specialize in like eyes. It's like the resident maybe. I got gotcha. you. Kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. So she's like fresh out of school or like still in school. And she's like going like, oh, it looks really lymphy." And I'm like, oh, yes, lymphy." Like, like not Whatever like… Whatever that means. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah, lymphy." So they did like a biopsy and I went back and… They… Sorry, I was going to get like really dramatic really fast. <laughs> they actually told me that it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Shit, dude. Yeah. So, that was like… So, at this point, I'm like eating super healthy, right? Like, I'm in grad school. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. So, yeah, it, you're like, diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And the last medical professional who chatted with you said, it's probably just mascara. Literally. Jesus.
1: And you can't even imagine like… Well, so, in that appointment, I luckily… I actually almost told my mom… To, like, not come with me to London. She's like, oh, I'll take the day off work. I'm like, like, literally, they're probably just going to tell me I need to take, like, eye drops or something mm-hmm. or, like, I'm allergic to something or, like, I don't know, like, it's not a big deal. And she goes, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, like, it's just London. Like, I go to London all the time. She ended up coming with me, thank God. Because, like, imagine me just by myself, like, hearing that. But my eye doctor, this old crusty man, he's great, super nice, but, like, <laughs> was like, oh, yes, um, he said, Yeah, yeah, you know, you're gonna need treatment and um blah blah blah. And he kept going on. I still didn't click in that it was cancer. So he keeps just going on and on, and I'm in the room by myself because I told him I'm just staying in the waiting room. <laughs> and I'm like staring at him, like, what do you what do you mean treatment? He goes, Oh, well, like hopefully, you know, you don't have to do chemo, but like probably radiation. I'm literally just like, wait, what do I have? Cause he like never really told me.
0: Not nah.
1: and he's like non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I was like, I think you forgot to tell that? me that. Yeah, I was like, I think you should have led with that. Not? <laughs> like maybe lead with that next time. So I'm not just sitting here like, what the heck? So he brought my mom in and like you can imagine my mom's rage. She was like, I'm going to call that doctor specialist in like Guelph area and like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what like, you know, maybe leave it up to the optometrist in Tulsenberg because he has a connection and say mm-hmm. like, you know, just so you know, like it could be this just in case you see in the future. But I'm like, let's not get carried away and start like…
0: Start a war. <laughs> yeah, start a
1: war against an yeah. eye specialist. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that was like a huge shock, but like I was very fortunate that's very slow growing mm-hmm. and um, I was able to avoid radiation. And I've been a bit, so far able to avoid radiation and chemo to date, which is amazing um, because there's this, like, antibiotic. They did a study in, like, South Korea or something super random okay, um, where they use this, like, certain antibiotic for a certain amount of weeks. And it worked on a third of the people with non-Hodgkin's, like, with my weird rare case. And they said it usually works better on Europeans. And oh. I'm like, well, maybe this is good because— my whole family's European, so like, you know, maybe that's going to work in my favor. And it was crazy. I went on the antibiotics, and like week three, I remember I was at my parents' cottage. There's was like a huge mirror that's like in the open light. And I remember like pulling my eyelid down. I was really scared. Like I didn't like checking it often. And I was like, no, like they 100% are shrinking. Like they're shrinking. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not going to get my hopes up.
0: How did that feel?
1: Well, I didn't know because I also was like second guessing myself. I was like, no, it's just in my head. Right, I was like, it's just in my head. I'm making this up. Another three weeks goes by. It was so obvious that they were going down, and I was like, shit. Like, I'm like one of the, like one in three. Like those European genetics might be kicking in for me. Like this is cool. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. But uh, they didn't go fully down, so that was like a little bit frustrating. So they actually like put me on a longer dose. So I was actually on antibiotics for like months at a time, and they went down. Um, they did eventually go away, like, from what we can see. But the thing with my type of non Hodgkin's lymphoma is that there's a 50% chance it'll come back. And then, like, that will just, like, continue for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did kind of come back at one point, And then they hit it again with antibiotics. And since then, it hasn't come back physically that we can see. But they also don't want to do, like, all these MRIs and testing all the time. Because that can also cause cancer. So, like, mm-hmm. I'll never really know if I'm in remission, if I'm cured, or if it's still there. But it's so slow growing that like, I can't, like it's not gonna like impact my day-to-day life if that makes sense. But it's the mental game that's really challenging. Um, and during that whole process, I remember being, obviously it was stressful. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, no kidding.
1: Obviously, um, and I, but I remember being so grateful that it was what it was and that it was slow growing and that it was manageable. And I also remember being so thankful that I had just finished My nutrition schooling. Because, which is kind of like, interesting timing. I literally launched my business probably like, a month before I got diagnosed. Mm. Yeah, interesting timing. Little, little little woo. I know, I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. But I was like, how many people are going through, not just like, whether it's cancer treatments. It could be any other like, chronic disease or illness. And like, don't have the tools in order to support their body. So, I know that antibiotics can be so detrimental to your gut health, especially someone who has gut health issues. And I was seeing the the negative effects of that. And I remember being like, wow, I'm so fortunate that I like know how to take care of my body through this. It's not gonna be easy, it's still a challenge. Um, My health isn't perfect. But how many more people could be like, you know, their symptoms could be helped or managed if they just like knew how to eat properly. Like, going into the cancer center in London at Victoria Hospital, they—and I'm not judging, but they serve, like, sugary cookies and, like, pop and stuff like that. And I get it. Like, there's budgets, and, like, I'm not going to get into, like, the politics of that. Mm -hmm. I'm not judging people that eat those foods. I'm, like, the least judgmental person when it comes to food. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, there's, like, a huge, like, gap here. So— that, at first, I was like, I shouldn't be a nutritionist. Like, what kind of nutritionist has cancer and like irritable bowel syndrome? And like, I felt like garbage, like physically and mentally. And I was like, I'm just like contradicting myself. And I felt like really low. So I was like, honestly, scared to take on clients because I had this like internal dialogue going on, which now I look back and I know is silly. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got to the point where I was like, no… I think I was honestly meant to go through these experiences so that I could actually help other people. And now that I work with clients, I love seeing that progress. You know, so I like to focus on people with digestive health issues because that's kind of like my passion. But it's like simple things, you know, maybe supplements for a short period of time, just changing like foods that they're eating, you know, their mentality, their like how they manage stress can make such a big impact on their life. And like, that's kind of where that passion started. I know that was like a long kind of journey, but I think it's important because at first I didn't want to share that side of like my health journey because I was really nervous that people would judge me as a nutritionist. Like, really? Like you're a nutritionist and you still got cancer and have these Mm. like digestive issues. But I think those experiences actually make me more relatable to my clients. And I know what it feels like to be on the other side of it and how frustrating it can be. So... I just really want to help people, you know, the ones I've like gone to the doctor multiple times. and They're like, oh, you know, like just take this pill, like you'll be fine. Or like, oh, yeah, you know, just take this like migraine medication for the rest of your life instead of getting to the root cause. So that's kind of where that started. Yeah. Started since I was a kid is where I'm getting at.
0: <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting because well, before, before we went live, we were chatting about like how the universe is a little woo woo. It and is like, woo woo. <laughs> if you realize that things are happening to you for a reason, mm-hmm. then it you know things just kind of make sense. Yes, I think it's really fascinating that you went through that. Yeah, I'm curious about the way that in antibiotics interfere with the gut biome, and yeah, presumably, well, because you're you're treating the gut biome as a nutritionist, right? Yes, so like everybody's taken antibiotics at one point. Mm-hmm. Are there any symptoms that we should be aware of, you know, yeah. to, to let us know that something's going on in, in the gut?
1: The crazy part is, is that, I mean, I think not everyone, but most people have been on antibiotics at some point in their life. A lot of times when we're kids, you know, cause we have like, you know, different infections and throat infections and like all of that stuff. I think I was on antibiotics like so many times for like tonsillitis, like super cool. But like doctors just like hand that out. They're like, oh yeah, tonsillitis. Here you go. Um, So that probably didn't also help my gut health issues as a kid. Um, The thing is, is that people can take antibiotics and not experience any like outward symptoms. So like there could be bad things going on in your gut and it could be impacting your healthy gut bacteria and you might not know. Um, Some of the things that you might notice could be really subtle too, right? It could be like maybe changes in your bowel movements, um, could be changes in like things just like gas and bloating. So it's not necessarily like you're gonna experience like anything like crazy obvious. I mean, some people might experience it a lot more if they've been on like a long course of antibiotics and they already have some underlying gut issues. Like, you know, someone like myself, it's a little bit more apparent. But yeah, like probably like the average person might not realize, you know, what's kind of going on in their gut.
0: So when somebody comes to you and they say, I have bloating or there's changes in my mm-hmm. bowel movements. What's take me through how you would assess them and figure out what's going on.
1: Okay. So whether or not they like uh. it, they have to fill out the longest client intake form of life. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, I want to know everything because people don't realize how much, like whether they're what they're eating, their lifestyle can impact their gut health. So I go through like the obvious things, like how often are you like bloated? Like, Gassy, mm. when does it happen? Is it after meals? Morning? Night? I know that sounds like really detailed, but it's all helpful for me to know. Um, again, to the nitty gritty, like tell me about your bowel movements. <laughs> like, what do they look like?
0: How does it smell? How does it
1: smell? <laughs> Literally, people are like, uh, do I have to answer this? And I'm like, you have to answer. Like, I need to know. Like, I'm… Is that something
0: that you check on yourself, like daily Oh or my weekly? gosh, yes. <laughs>
1: Any nutritionist? I thought I was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any nutritionist literally loves talking about poop. Like from my, like the people at least I know that are nutritionists, it's like, we love talking about poop. We love checking our own poop. It's like a weird thing. Also didn't help. I grew up with brothers, like daily conversation at the dinner table. Like, I had a good poop today. You? Yeah. yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to realize that like most people don't grow up with like weird older brothers. So um, I have to kind of get people comfortable talking about those things. Um, other things that I check are like stresses. Huge that mind gut connection, um, sleep, um, how much they're moving, um, what they're actually eating. Maybe they actually have food sensitivities or other triggers. Um, and then that process that I go through with them, it can do, it can vary quite greatly depending on the individual. Um, I don't have like a go to protocol per se. Okay. Um, So I can like, do you want me to take, like someone like with a classic like kind of gas bloating, like mild digestive issues? Like, yeah. So I'll make like a avatar client. So they have some gas um, and bloating after meals and they feel a little sluggish after meals, um, maybe slightly constipated, like they're not going to the bathroom like super regularly, Um, a little fatigued stressed, (laughs) which is like pretty much everyone,
0: everybody, (laughs)
1: every single person, including myself. Um, But what I would recommend is, first, we always look at their diet. Like, are they eating things like processed foods that might actually be triggering their symptoms? Are they eating a lot of like beans and grains, which can be really hard in your digestive system if you're having issues with digestive health? Like, I'm not saying to never eat those things. They're great, but like you might have to lay off Mm -hmm. of them for a little while or— how are you preparing them? Are you soaking your beans and your grains before you like cook them and eat them? That can make a big difference. Another big one, are they chewing their food? Like I know that's sounds- chewing
0: the food is chewing the to food,
1: just- inhaling it. Which, like, okay. I,
0: <laughs> I inhale my food. <laughs> I'm
1: also still bad at it. Like it's one of those things that I have to work on quite a bit. Um, so it's called like mindful eating. So essentially not eating with like your phone in front of you or like in front of the TV. Mm. And actually like chewing your food until it's complete mush. And it's so hard. Like, I'm not just saying like, oh, just chew your food more.
0: I heard like 50 times. You're supposed to chew 50 times.
1: Yeah, it's about like 35 to like 50, depending on like the type of food. So like a steak, obviously, you're going to chew more than like a potato, right? Um, But it can be really hard because what happens is our jaw muscles aren't used to it. So like I have clients and I'm like, just choose one food on your plate per meal that you're going to do that with because you'll literally get a sore jaw when you're not used to it. And also, our esophagus is used to opening up like it, after a certain amount of bites. So like, let's say the average number of bites is like six to 10. Mm-hmm. That person's esophagus is gonna open up thinking it's about to swallow. So if you're all of a sudden chewing like 45 bites, your esophagus, you're like trying not to like swallow your food. It's really difficult. So you have to retrain those muscles not right. to like automatically swallow the food. It's crazy. But like that can honestly make such a big difference in someone who has digestive issues or like, wow, I just chewed my food more. and I feel better. Um, other things like, I mean, there's so many different supplements. Probiotic is like a good go-to for like most every person really on this planet because we're exposed to so much in terms of like infection, toxins, you know, the food that we eat, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everyone can generally benefit from some probiotic. Or even fermented foods can be really helpful, like sauerkraut, um, kimchi, tempeh, um, kefir. Certain supplements like glutamine can be really help, like really good for like soothing your digestive tract. Magnesium is amazing for like almost anyone, and it's also good for like stress and sleep and muscles. So that's like my one of my favorite supplements. Um, digestive enzymes. So if you have issues with breaking down food and like you're feeling like really bloated and gassy after meals, you might want to try taking one right before you eat each meal and see if that kind of helps those symptoms. Um,
0: I take lactase when when I eat cheese, (laughs) but it it doesn't always work. (laughs) Is there…
1: Okay, so in terms of like is it like that it's been so long because I have like a lactose intolerance and I remember I would take it was… Yeah, there's like little pills, Yeah. I would actually feel worse after taking them, and I don't know why.
0: Honestly, I feel like I, I chew… I take like three pills. Is the yeah. d- they say max three per yeah. You're meal. You're like, I'm like, taking five. <laughs> yeah, I'll, Honestly, sometimes I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, J- Jess and I have like Pizza Friday sometimes, mm-hmm. and we get pizza either… You know, we get like lactose-free cheese. And, yeah, 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 Or we'll get regular pizza with regular cheese. Yeah. But either way, I'll take these pills, and it doesn't really seem to affect that much. I still get super bloaty and gassy. Even with this lactase… Digestive enzyme.
1: Right. You what? might need something a little bit more powerful, Stronger. or you might need to also avoid dairy. <laughs> avoid dairy? <laughs> <laughs> really, the root cause is that you probably need to avoid dairy, is what that is. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I don't want to also tell you to never have dairy again because that's just a sad life to live. Right. So um, I can hook you up with some maybe different digestive enzymes okay. that are good in different try brands. Some things yeah, out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's tricky. It depends on the person, right? Like I have some clients who like, don't even react well to a probiotic. So, I mean, there is cases, like, it's common for people to almost go through this reaction for the first week or two if, like, all of a sudden they're taking a probiotic and they've never done that before. It can almost create, like… I've heard about that. Yeah, Yeah, I started
0: taking probiotics and it got crampy.
1: Yeah, it can almost exasperate everything um, and it should eventually fade, like, Stop doing that. But Mm. it can be obviously be a little alarming when you're like… I
0: stopped taking it because I was like, this makes me feel worse. I don't think it's a good idea.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's a matter of also just switching to a different like brand. Okay. Or starting out slow. So that even goes with like fermented foods. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I don't tell clients to start eating like sauerkraut like at every meal when they are like starting a protocol. Like start with like a little bit for one meal and slowly add on because you will probably experience some changes in bowel movements or, like, you know, have that cramping because your body's not used to it. It's like, whoa, what is all this good, healthy bacteria doing? Like, panic, right? Mm-hmm. So, in your case, maybe it's, like, a different brand or you just have to, like, kind of wait it out or start with even, like, a lower dose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else I was do for clients. Sleep. <laughs> a lot of clients are like, um… Yeah, I only sleep like five to six hours. And uh, you need to sleep in order for your digestive system to like rest and repair.
0: Sleep uh, is so important. It's so
1: important it's for like number one.
0: everything. <laughs> sleep in water. Honestly, I don't yes. drink enough water.
1: Yes. Um, hydration. Yeah, that's like another. Like, usually in week one, it's like your one task is to drink more water. Because you need to like hydrate your colon in order to also promote like healthy bowel movements. Um. Exercise, and I'm not saying like you have to do like intense exercise seven days a week, but like moving, just even movement every day is really good for stimulating like healthy bowel movements because we're always like we're sitting, we're cramped up, right? Mm-hmm. Even not wearing like super tight fitting clothing can be helpful for some with digestive issues. Just walk
0: issues. around naked. Yeah, just yeah. walk
1: around naked. That's what I'm prescribing <laughs> um, in your own house. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like there's so many different lifestyle things. Like everyone's like, oh, like nutrition, like I just have to change the way I eat. But it's sometimes the biggest issues are actually the lifestyle things that people are
0: doing. Oh, for sure. I was a personal trainer for a time. Yeah. And like when people come in, they're like, I'm not losing weight or, yes. or I'm not getting bulky muscle wise. And mm-hmm. it's like, how are you sleeping? How are you drinking? You know, how much alcohol are you yes. having? You know, how often do you have sugar? Yeah. You know?
1: And like sometimes too, it's like they don't realize how much sugar is in foods. Oh, yeah. So, like, I'm not even, I'm not like judging because you might think that you're not eating that much sugar because you're not like outwardly eating like cookies all the time or candy. You but know, those like, little
0: fruit cups. There's you, like, yeah. it's fruit. It's got to be healthy, but there's so much oh, sugar in those. The
1: marketing, right? Oh, my it's God. like, I don't blame people for thinking that they're eating healthy because marketing is like so well done. Like, Uh I always use like the Nature Valley bar example, which is funny because my husband like crushes those all the time. They're so, they're like chocolate bars. (laughs) (laughs) But they're like, oh, this person's like hiking and the box is green and it's the nature. So, like, yeah, I'm going to get the Nature Valley over like the other ones. Mm -hmm. But they're actually probably worse than like your classic like Quaker oat chocolate chip one. Mm. They're like this, I actually think they are worse. So that's, Kind of an issue. And like, again, it's I'm not coming from a place of judgment. I want to make that really clear. Just because most people aren't educated on that. Like, we're not in high school or elementary school being like, this is a good type of granola bar and this is a bad one. Oh, yeah. Like, how are you supposed to know these things? Honestly,
0: so um, my grandma gave me a cookbook. Okay. Um, and Jess was going through it. Because Jess is taking nutrition yeah, courses yeah. as well. So she's going through it. And like, my grandma wrote… Um, I can't remember what the phrase was, but it was like, now that I know that like oats are healthy, I can stick oats in everything uh, or something like that. But like everything, every recipe was sugar, butter, lard, you know, eggs. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's amazing. Flour.
0: And that was it. It was all just like
1: different ratios. simple
0: sugars of, <laughs> yeah. It was, like all the cookies and pies and everything was, just, was butter and sugar and and flour. And that's yeah. everything in there. But like she made a note saying like, this is all healthy food. But like what they thought… Like she was making this casserole and it was like a can of this, a can yes. of that, a can of that. And it's like it's a healthy meal because it's got all the food groups. But right. it's like what people think is healthy is often not. Yeah, P- People don't know what's healthy. Like the, the food pyramid…
1: Yes. Oh, gosh.
0: Is not healthy at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> or the old Canada like food guide. The oh, one yeah. that was like the rainbow was like you should have like certain…
0: Oh yeah! Amount of
1: like slice. It had like a white loaf of bread on it, and I yeah. was like, "I'm not saying to never ever eat those foods in your life, but like as like a daily requirement, maybe don't crush like multiple slices of like white dumpster. white bread. bread.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Wonder bread. Yeah, I um, it makes me think like all conspiracy theory e because I watched this dec- documentary on Netflix, uh, What the Health, and okay. they're talking about how like the beef industry. Um, pays the Heart and Stroke Foundation to suggest beef as like mm-hmm. um, t- t- uh, Food to eat when you have cancer or whatever. Right. But then like the studies showed that like those who eat more meat… Like get cancer than those who eat less meat. And not, not making an argument no, for no, no, ve- yeah. veganism, vegetarian… But it's like the company that makes this food… That statistically makes cancer worse is pushing that food to cancer patients. And it's like this whole industry. And so like who do we go to to trust the information we're getting, you went to doctors and they said, it's probably just mascara, you know? It, like, yeah. it took like three people for you to go to to find out, oh, I've got cancer. That's yeah. what this is. Oh,
1: not mascara. So weird. Yeah. And it's
0: either like a conspiracy or or something else.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with our broken food system. So actually, interestingly enough, I mean, I grew up on a farm, um, not like an animal farm or like really anything where you could like eat the vegetables <laughs> as well as like cash crops. But right. like, I still grew up like my dad, like, I think he still grows beans. This is bad that I don't know this. He grew carrots at one time, garlic. Um, but I've always been surrounded by, like, food. It's always been a big part of my life just because of how I grew up. Um, in university, actually, I well, I did global studies and I thought I was going to, like, work for the UN in, like, Switzerland or something. Then I traveled a few times and realized that life wasn't for me. Um, but I started studying local food systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually managed a local food hub in Southwestern Ontario at one point. And in grad school, that's what a lot of my research was around, was local food systems. And it's like, so I think I have a, an interesting lens, because I actually had like an insider look at like the agricultural system and the food system. Being in the farming community, I've worked in agri-services, like chemical companies, seed companies. Um, but I also have like seen the other side of it, like looking at like local food mm. from a different lens. And also the nutrition piece. And it's crazy because I think there's a lot of controversy around like the new can of food guy, which came out in 2019 because they started like suggesting more like plant-based foods. And I'm not like vegan. I'm not like I don't have like I don't prescribe to any type of like quote-unquote diet. Um, I think all those foods can play a role in like a healthy diet, like animal-based products, plant-based products. But the different... um, like associations, I guess there's a lot of controversy Mm. because things like, you know, the Dairy Farmers Association, I think that's like their actual name, would actually pay into the Canada Food Guide. So that's why you're getting things like you should drink certain cups of like milk a day for strong bones. So that happens in Canada. I know in What the Health, I think it's an American-based movie. Um, But that actually does, like that's not like a hidden thing. Like it's not like in Canada, it's like secretive. Like it's, I think that information's out there that these different boards and associations pay into the food guide. So yeah, when this new one came out, like there was like a lot of like uproar from these other like agricultural associations because they're like, what do you mean? Like why is there like less meat on there and like dairy and blah, blah, blah. And like why is there more plant-based stuff, right? So it is, it's a whole political thing. It is not like black and white. Like it's not like... You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of things going into like (laughs) the food we eat, the information we see. Like it's insane. Uh,
0: Tell me more about misconceptions that people might have about, about um, what they should eat or um, other like controversies within the field. Because people don't really know what's going on there.
1: Oh my gosh. That is like, could be a five hour podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll have you back in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it'll be like a weekly series (laughs) on controversies (laughs) in agriculture and nutrition. Um, I I should actually have, like, my brother come in sometime because they're farmers. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because that whole, like, GMO thing, that's really, you know, that's a huge marketing. I mean, like, these companies are smart. Like, I'll give them that. Like, they know how to, like, play to their audience and, like, use scare tactics and all that. And there isn't a ton of conclusive evidence that, like, GMOs—like, we don't know the long-term effects yet, right? Like, it's one of those things. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they're good or bad. We just—
0: we don't know. We, we
1: don't know. So um, I kind of find things like that interesting. And I talked to like my dad and my brothers and they're like, I don't think people realize like how little GMO stuff is grown in the area. Because, for example, my dad's like, well, I can't grow GMO corn. And he's like a huge cash crop farmer. He's right. like, I can't do that because the markets won't buy it from me. Because of this whole like non… GMO, like, thing. He's like, so everyone probably thinks I'm, like, growing all this, like, GMO stuff. And he's like, I kind of wish I would because it would use a lot less pesticides and chemicals and water mm-hmm. in order to grow my crops.
0: Well, uh, that's that's a huge thing, too. Yeah. Like, the materials it takes and the land mm-hmm. to, to grow food is, is ridiculous. And it's like, what— what do we want? Choose the lesser of two evils. Using a lot more water and a lot of pesticides on these plants. Yes. Or modifying them so that we don't need to put pesticides in our food. Yes. You know?
1: Yeah. And yeah, so it's interesting because people just think it's like a simple solution. Same with like organic farming. Um, I know it's not as great as people think. There's also still chemicals that are used in organic farming that are allowed and certified that also aren't good for your body. I'm not saying they're better or like I'm not saying they're worse than like non-organic foods, but like people just also aren't aware that that's also an issue. Mm. Um, Or farmers that can like sneak some of their non-organic food into their organic. Um, I've had people say, well, why doesn't your family just grow organic? I was like, so you have to take thousands of acres of land, let it sit fallow. Like they don't realize like the costs associated with that. Like, Like it's not as simple as people realize and I wish it was. I wish I they probably wish it was too. Mm-hmm. But it's just not how farming works, which is unfortunate, but like it's just the reality of it. Um, so yeah, I, I've had people be like, like, do you you must eat all organic? And I was like, also, no, I can't afford that all the time. Like organic it comes from like a place of privilege. And that's another huge thing that I like to stress to people is like whether it's like packaged free products, organic food. Um, you know trendy health products like sure those things are great but you have to come from a place where you can like afford those and then people get shamed for not eating organic mm-hmm. but those people are coming from a place of privilege
0: oh for sure i i was reading this paper about uh food deserts Yes. where the closest food sources is McDonald's Burger King yes. Subway you know to the to these um you know Unfortunate individuals, Mm -hmm. you know, grocery stores are too far away. Yeah, Um, and I think that that is a huge issue.
1: Absolutely, like, can you blame a low come in a low income family who has multiple kids, like they could go to McDonald's on like and have coupons and like feed their whole family for pretty cheap, opposed to going to the grocery store, which is a not close, so they're gonna have to get on a bus, right? Mm. And maybe go quite a distance, assuming that they have a bus pass that they can pay for. Um, and then buy all these ingredients like individually. And I know that healthy eating can be done in an affordable way. But that's like an affordable way for a middle-class family. That's not an affordable way for like a low-income mm. family. So I want to make that clear too because I don't think it's fair to just be like, oh, like eating healthy is like affordable. Like all you have to do is buy <laughs> like all these Organic vegetables that are like two to three dollars more, and like grass-fed beef. Like, I think it'd be amazing if we could all eat like that, but that's not the reality for a good chunk of our population.
0: So I want to get into off the top of your head, yeah, um, things that people can start including into their diets daily. That's easy to make an affordable, yeah. like eating more sauerkraut, you know, yes. simple, simple things that everybody can start doing to start making small increments, incre- incremental changes in their diet.
1: Yeah. And I like to do things that, again, aren't like necessarily super expensive. Like I'm not going to like sit here and be like, you should get this cool, like superfood <laughs> powder, <laughs> which like, I mean, they have benefits. Don't get me wrong, but like, you don't have to do those to be healthy. Um, the first one you can do is like, honestly, just drink more water. <laughs> Crazy thought. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one you can do is, yeah, you can incorporate fermented foods into your diet. Um, Some of them can be a little bit more pricey in like grocery stores. Like if you're getting sauerkraut in a jar, um, it can be a little bit more expensive. But these are things you can also make from home, which is really cool. So just like go on YouTube or like Google like how to make sauerkraut and you can like save a ton of money that way. Um, Same with like kefir and like other fermented foods. Like... That's a good way to I like… I tried s- Kapir. Yeah, you are like… You're like, didn't like
0: <laughs> I didn't like it. No. It's
1: instant-acquired. Like fermented foods are a required taste too, right? So I'm not going to say like you have to eat sauerkraut every day to be healthy.
0: <laughs> I love sauerkraut. Me too. I hate kefir.
1: Okay. Yeah, I love sauerkraut. I don't do well with kimchi. It's a little too…
0: No, I, I don't think I've ever tried kimchi.
1: Just try.
0: Try. <laughs> try. <it>. <laughs> <laughs> try you're
1: going to be like, curse you, Nicole. Um, other things that you can do that are simple are just switching from like you know, refined grains to, like, whole grains. So, you know, buying brown rice, um, like, full, like, whole oats instead of, like, processed, like, quick oats that have, like, the added sugar and, like, flavors. Um, And I know, like, I'm saying this sounds, like, really simple. might not be as simple to you if you've, like, eaten this a certain way forever, of course. Um, Switching from, like, white, like, wheat flour pasta to something that's, again— more of like a whole grain pasta. Um, Maybe if you have a gluten sensitivity, you could do like a brown rice pasta or quinoa pasta. Those ones are still a little bit cheaper than some of the other like healthy quote-unquote pastas. Is it it
0: just me or are more people becoming gluten sensitive?
1: Um, I think it's definitely— Or is it awareness that's growing? I think it's a little bit of both because— Again, like think of someone like myself that had years of like digestive discomfort and was like, I didn't know what's going on with my body, <laughs> like right? Like I knew I was lactose intolerant, but like that was about it. Um, so I was made aware that gluten was probably one of the issues. Um, but that's another. This can kind of go in with that like that topic about like controversies mm-hmm. or like. <clears throat> You can be celiac where you're like actually like allergic Mm -hmm. to gluten. So like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about gluten sensitivity, um, which typically comes out in the form of like, you know, maybe skin irritation, that gas, uploading, you know, mild reaction. Everyone's like, oh, I'm gluten sensitive. I'm gluten sensitive. And they probably are. But that's usually like all these food sensitivities are typically a result of poor gut health, actually.
0: So… So… The So that would make sense since all all of our… There's so much estrogen in everything we're eating and that's an issue. So like all the processed foods that we've been having shoved in our face over the past few decades, Mm -hmm. you know, are now disrupting the balance in the gut biome, which is making people lactose and gluten sensitive.
1: Yes. So I think like a little bit of this awareness just because that research and stuff wasn't out there. Like, I mean, it was maybe, but just not as… Like, we have the internet now, right? Yeah. Like, you can literally find, a, like, all this information. Um, and now there's, like, food sensitivity testing, which isn't super sound results, but it can be enlightening. Um, But, yeah, like, we're damaging our gut because we're, like, taking in all these, like, toxins, like, on our food, on the products that we use, right? Like, everything you put on your skin is getting absorbed into your bloodstream and it has to go through your liver. Like, that's—your liver is getting, like, overworked. Mm-hmm. So, like— your gut health is going to suffer. And then that's when people start experiencing like all these multiple food sensitivities, which I get because I went through that as well. Um, so yeah, when I people kind of come to me and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm sensitive to gluten and dairy and like almonds and like eggs and like so on and so on. I'm like, don't worry. You're probably not going to be sensitive to those things for the rest of your life if you work on rebalancing like your gut health and supporting it. And then hopefully, you can actually include those foods back into your diet. Okay. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> what do you know about um, fasting?
1: Oh, like intermittent fasting?
0: Yeah. Or, yeah. or fasting fasting. Like three-day… Prolong- I've been doing some research into prolonged fasting yeah. and the benefits it can have. Um, I read this book called Lifespan or um, by David Sinclair. He's okay. like a, a life health… He's like… He's 50-something and he looks like he's 30… Um, and he's like a professional, um, healthy person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those like healthy people. Yeah. That's professional. <laughs>
0: he, he, he says 20% of your life you should not eat.
1: Mm. That's not like
0: 20% of your day. It's like in a week you should… 20% of the days in the week you should not eat. or So like one day or two days a week you should fast. But anyway, like what, what do you know about fasting and how that can benefit the gut biome? Yeah. What's your opinion there?
1: Um, so it's like a little bit mixed, like the long, like fasting that you're talking about, like there has been research to say that it can be beneficial, but there's also research to say that it could be detrimental to your health. Mm. So it's one of those things that like you have to look at the individual person. And I always say that for like whether it's intermittent fasting, keto, paleo. I'm probably like missing, like even veganism. Mm-hmm. Um, I know veganism is like a lifestyle and there's like ethical reasons behind it, but not all these diets are meant for every single person. We all have different physiology and that needs to be taken into account. Um, but generally speaking, like I'm not super familiar with like the long fast, so I'm not going to like pretend I know <laughs> much about those. Um, but in terms of like a shorter fast, so like an intermittent fasting, so that window is typically like 14 to 16 mm-hmm. hours. Um for women, sometimes it's a little bit shorter just because our needs are a little bit different, mm-hmm. especially during different times in our cycle. Yeah, But um, yeah, it can be really helpful because it's giving our body more time to rest and repair. So that's one of the big ones. You know, if you think about it, like a lot of us will be snacking at night, right? Like it's just like, you're like, oh, I'm, like, I'm not saying never snack at night again, guys. Like <laughs> I'm not saying like you have to do this, but um, we're mindlessly snacking all the time. You know, we're watching, you know, TV and we're just kind of eating and then we wake up early and we eat as soon as we get up. That can be really hard on our digestive system. We're not really giving it that much time to just kind of chill out, right? Um, So for people with digestive issues, especially like women with hormonal imbalances, it can be really helpful. Um, People with like blood sugar, which is related to the hormone piece, Mm -hmm. people with blood sugar imbalances, um, again, that can be really helpful. Because again, like think about it. We're waking up, we're like eating like something sugary or like something processed like mm-hmm. a bagel and toast. Cereal. Yeah, cereal. We're like spiking our blood sugar. Our cortisol levels are also like shooting up in the morning. And then we like stop and we may drink some coffee and not enough water. And then <gasps> so we- <mean>. right? <laughs> And then, and this is again, I'm not judging. This is just, you know, how life works. And then we have lunch and we're like starving, right? We maybe we push it a little bit too far. And then also we're like so tired after. So what we do, we're like, oh, well look at that, like, sugary donut. <laughs> like, I'm going to have this donut. And then we, like, we go through this, like, up and down. And we're doing this all day. Like, from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. So, we need to balance that blood sugar. So, intermittent fasting can be really helpful for that. Because there's that period of time. And, like, I know it sounds scary. But it's not as hard as people make it out to you just be. don't
0: eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's not like you're not eating less cal. I want to make that really clear. You're oh, not
0: for eat- sure. You're still eating. You're just constricting yeah. the food window.
1: You're actually eating the same amount of food maybe. Maybe not if you're like, because sometimes we don't need to actually snack at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if you're enjoying it and you're, you know, having a movie night, that's yeah. one thing. Um, So maybe you are actually eating less but not in a negative way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you're actually eating all that food just in a condensed period of time. So like maybe you have your first meal at 11 and then maybe you still have a snack and then you're eating another meal at like, I don't know, like 2.33 and then maybe you need a snack. Maybe you don't. Some people aren't snackers. And then you finish eating at like 7 p.m. And if you're worried about having the same caloric intakes, that's really important. Some people are like, yeah, I realize I actually didn't eat as much as usual when I'm intermittent fasting. Well, make sure you're like having things like elixirs that have like coconut oil in them just to make sure you're still getting all that healthy fat. You want to get those calories in. So, it's not a diet that's meant to restrict. It's actually just changing when you're eating, essentially.
0: Speaking of... um restriction. What do you think about elimination diets?
1: Okay, so that in like the field of like digestive health is typically used to try to find food triggers. Um,
0: So, it's not something you want to stick on. It's just to figure out what's bothering
1: you. Yeah. So, like things like food sensitivity tests can be quite expensive. They can be like upwards of $200 to $300, which isn't Something that everyone has access to. If you do, then that might be nice, just to kind of do without having to like <laughs> do this elimination diet. But um, if you don't have that option, then essentially what you do is you take out main like food allergy like triggers, like things like nuts and eggs and peanuts and like mm-hmm. um, like you're not cutting out like meat. That's typically not an issue for people. Um, gluten, dairy. So essentially, you take those foods out. For a period of time. And then you slowly introduce one at a time. Because you don't want to introduce more than one. Because then you're not going to know. If you also need to have like a. It triggers you. You're not going to know which one it was. So Mm. you like introduce. Let's say eggs. Week one. And then week two. Introduce like almonds. So you can see how it's like a pretty tedious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Diet to follow. Takes a while. Takes a long time. Um, So it can be really frustrating for people. And that's why I'm like. I don't highly recommend it. Because it can then just… People are like, oh, I don't want to do this. I quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like all that hard work. And you're like, okay, well, that was kind of useless. So
0: What do you think about uh, then fecal testing?
1: Okay, I don't know a ton about that. So I can't speak to okay. it. Um, but I'm intrigued by it. Like, do you mean like that? Like fecal, like, transplant? Yeah, no, no, oh, no. Oh, like that. Okay, like, hey,
0: that's a new th- You can go to your… I, I've heard about that. Yeah, I'm yeah, real yeah. curious about that. Yeah, Actually, yeah. there's a lot of really good results that I've read about Fecal transplants.
1: And like people with like autism and stuff is what I've seen. I've
0: never… Like them getting autism Okay, or No, autism. no.
1: Like… Sorry. S- treating someone with autism. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That's
0: fascinating though. Um, I'm going to have to look into that.
1: So do you mean like stool I tests? Mean,
0: yeah, stool tests. Yeah. Oh, stool tests like, are you're, great. Like go to your doctor and like here's some of my <laughs> poop, man. If you want to hang out with this. And they check it and say, oh my god. So you've got… Worms. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Hey,
1: no, honestly, I am. There's like, something.
0: Yeah, parasites. I gonna write that. Parasites,
1: down. yes. Okay. So um, stool tests are great. So, like, if you are experiencing. Here's another thing, though, with like Western medicine. Again, I'm not someone who like bashes that there's like a time and place for 100%. Um, but I've, I even went to my doctor while I was going through that like uncertainty with my cancer diagnosis, and my IBS symptoms flared up the worst they had since I was like, probably like. In high school. Mm. And I figured it was from stress. Like I know my body pretty well. But I also, I'm going through a weird time. So I should probably get it checked out. My doctor Larry, says, yeah, the only reason why I'm going to do these ultrasounds and testing is because you have cancer. Otherwise, I wouldn't really be worried. <laughs> I had like extreme cramping. Like couldn't like <laughs> like function during <laughs> the day. I was like, oh, okay. Noted.
0: So The only reason is because you have cancer. Not because you're uncomfortable and yeah, crampy. Yeah,
1: literally. That's so scary. So… Up, man. I know. So, I mean, like, not every doctor is going to be like that. Mm. So, if you do think you need stool testing, like, and your doctor says, no, I told you to go to, like, walking clinics and just be, like, really dramatic and be like, I need a stool sample. Um, it can be enlightening because it can tell you different things, but they're also… There's only so much it can tell you. There's another really amazing test that you can get called a GI map, which a lot of naturopathic doctors offer. It's super expensive. But it is like pages of information. It tests for more, like um, parasites, bad bacteria, also good bacteria, which can be helpful. So like, maybe you don't have a ton of bad bacteria, but you also don't have a ton of good bad or sorry, a ton of good bacteria.
0: Well, antibiotics wipe out all of it. Yeah. So that could be the case for many people.
1: For sure. So yeah, this it's yeah, it's called a GI map. Um, I've had it done before. It's kind of stool sample that you send away and they send you the results back. Um, And yeah, like you can get, I think at most like naturopathic doctor offices, but it's like super enlightening. Um, So I really, (laughs) I'm like nerding. And I was like, you should really get it done. (laughs) Just go like analyze your poop. Even if you don't feel like it, just do it.
0: I would like to get it done. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I I think those are really important if you're trying to figure out like what's going on in your body. Um, Also blood testing, because sometimes it might not just be digestive, like related, your symptoms could be related to like a hormone imbalance, whether it's like your reproductive hormones or your thyroid. Um, so, I'm like, get all the testing done that your doctor will allow.
0: <laughs> do it all. <laughs> do it all.
1: <laughs> and
0: parasites. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Because from what I understand, mm-hmm. everybody without question has some type yes. of parasite. Yeah. We are a macrobiome mm-hmm. on every level.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and parasites are not always bad from what I understand, in that like they're not always going to like hinder you right. health-wise. Yes. But you you tell me what you yeah.
1: think. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know the word parasite sounds, parasite like, sounds You're yeah. like, oh my <laughs> gosh, like I have to go to the doctors right yeah. now. But um, no, don't worry. Like, I mean, you have to think about it. We're exposed to like so much with like food right that could be contaminated like think about like all the people like touching the food even if you're like washing it like when you're in like public places like it's it's just the world that we're in traveling oh my gosh traveling Mm -hmm. like
0: traveler's diarrhea
1: yeah like literally like if you're traveling pretty much anywhere like tropical or like abroad like you're probably going to be exposed to that to some extent (laughs) not to scare you okay it's fine um but yeah like it's also not uncommon to have parasites. So people like get really like scared and embarrassed that they might have like a parasite. But again, like if you were traveling somewhere and eating different foods that might have not been cooked in a super clean space, um, you might have been exposed, and that's fine. Like there's things that you can do, and sometimes it honestly does take antibiotics. I know I'm like pro like gut mm. health, but like that's again Western medicine does play a role. There are natural ways of doing it, like. You could go to a naturopathic doctor who has, like, parasite protocols. Um, depending on, like, how severe it is, you might actually just need to, like, knock it out, if that makes sense. Um, but again, it can be really hard to tell if you, like, have them for a couple reasons. One, the symptoms typically overlap with, like, other things. Mm-hmm. So, there's, like, the obvious symptoms. Like, you might come back from vacation and have, like, you know, traveler's diarrhea. And, like, maybe you vomited and, like, all of these things.
0: Oh, it's all good. I just wanted to make that. You're good. You're good where you
1: are. <laughs> um, but… Like, that's a little bit more obvious, but you might also have like, again, like the, ga- the gassiness, the bloating, like maybe changes in your bowel movement. You might not even see parasites when you look at your like own poop, I right? Check. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> you're like analyzing it every day.
0: I'm, I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Yeah. You, you guys yeah. it too. I, I check because I'm like, I want to know if there's parasites. Like, yeah. can I see little thingies swimming around? But you know might all not. The time. No.
1: No. So that's the thing is like you could actually have a parasite and because a lot of them will like stay in stay in yeah. in your digestive tract. Um, some of them, if you go to your doctor, again, that's why just getting a stool test from your doctor might not give you all the results you need. Cause it does test for some parasites, but not all of them. There's so many There's different ones. There's yeah. so many. Even the GI map, it tests for a lot more. But even then, there still could be ones outside of that one that you have. Um, So, like, don't get too discouraged. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, if you, you know, have ruled out, like, that you don't have leaky gut and you don't have, like, candida and you don't have IBS and you're still experiencing these things, that's when, like, you really, I think, need to push for more support from, like, your naturopathic doctor or your medical doctor. But, yeah.
0: What do you think about a colonoscopy then?
1: Um, those I think are typically reserved for people that are experiencing like quite severe.
0: Or or maybe that's the wrong term. There's, yeah. I know there's a place you can go to and they stick like a hose in your butt. Oh, um, colon, oh my colon. gosh. I don't know what that's I'm called. I'm having
1: like a brain fart right now. Um, it's not a colonoscopy. No, I, that's it's, all I can think I, of. I,
0: colonoscopy, yeah. It's, I, um, colon cleanse.
1: It's like it is a colon cleanse, but yeah. I can't remember the name for I it. I can't
0: remember. But like they fill you up with the water and then all of your stuff just floats out. Yeah. And they, I, um, they said that you can see like four foot long tapeworms just flowing out of people's butts, and like once a week they they see these things coming out, indicating that most yeah. of us have something.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not, to, like, scare, <laughs> not, not to like scare anybody. <laughs> it's funny because like I talk about poop all the time, but even that stuff I'm like, ooh, like.
0: <laughs> oh my! God. If you were if you are having that done, and because it's would, all see through tubes, and you can see everything coming at you, and you see like this big worm, you're like.
1: I would not be able to watch.
0: I couldn't. I I couldn't sleep with myself at night. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're so dirty. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? It's like you think you've done something wrong, but you probably haven't. Like, that's just is what it is. Like kids are really prone to them because they're like literally eating dirt and stuff, which was also good for you to like, you know, Eat be outside. Dirt. Yeah, like, <laughs>
0: there's this book that I was looking at when I was doing research yeah, for yeah. this. It's called Eat Dirt, and I was like. That's a really intriguing title. And, and so I read <laughs> for like… For breakfast or eating like a boulder. <laughs> honestly. But this guy was like, you need to have like, so potatoes and carrots and stuff. They yeah. say wash it to get all the uh, pesticides off and yeah. stuff. And it's like, it's cooked in or it's grown in poops. So like, that's bad. But the guy's saying like, that's how we get a diverse yes. uh, microbiome. Kids are eating sand, eating dirt, and and, yeah. and that's contributing to their, their microbiome because if the immune system doesn't have anything to fight against. We're kind of weak to everything. And that's, we've seen with the, um, kind of in the era we grew up and like our parents where they just like super Lysol everything. Yes. You know, and the soaps that we're using are killing oh the microbiome gosh. on our hands. And yes. it's like, we're kind of realizing now that like we we went a little too far. Yes. In in terms of sterilizing everything and living in a bubble. And now people are getting these sicknesses. In addition to the, all the, all the crap in our foods. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's a thing. And, I, like, you have to think, like, most— Like, our parents grew up, like— Well, okay, mine are, like, an exception because they grew up, like, in Good small farm. towns. Or, like, <laughs> my dad, like, grew up on a farm. But, like, that was, like, their life, right? Like, they— But, like, they didn't grow up with, like, gut health issues. Mm. Like, they didn't have, like, sensitivities to, like, every food that they looked at, which I also find very interesting. Um, My mom was never, like, one of those moms that was, like, super, like, you know— Germ freak, like, growing up. Like, we also would play outside and, like, roll in the dirt mm. or whatever. Um, but uh, even then, like, we were eating a lot. Like, the 90s, right? Like, I was eating, like, Dunkaroos and, oh, like, Joe Louie. Oh, I my god! Don't start. <laughs> honestly, if you put a Joe Louie in front of me, I would eat it I with haven't no I have Dunkaroos
0: in 15 years, man. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> like, they're the best.
0: When you come back in, have wow, Dunkaroos.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I honestly would. Um... So I think that was a little bit of it. But like it's funny because I was really like I'm still not super good about it. I'm like a little bit of like a germ freak in some ways. Like I'm so scared that I'm going to get like food poisoning from like meat splattered on like my counter. Mm. And I'm like trying not to like be so well, obviously if there is actually like meat. So right. I'm going to clean that up. Like, that's, <laughs> it's really dangerous. Let me just say that. Right. Um. But like growing up like I wanted to like be the person that was like sanitizing things. And like sanitizing my hands. Oh, yeah. So I stopped using like… I only bring like hand sanitizer now if I'm like going to like an airport or something where it's like… Super germy, Super, like super questionable. But I used to use it all the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like that's so bad for your like gut oh, health. Yeah. Like your… And it's like your, absorbed
0: through your skin as well. Your
1: skin microbiome. Like yeah. everything. It's like… But it's so hard not to sometimes because I'm like, ew, people are gross.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, one in nine eggs that you eat has salmonella in it that, was, that wasn't that was killed by yeah. cooking it. And, and it's usually
1: on the outside too, I've heard, like on the actual shell.
0: On the shell? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew it was like uh, like uh, within the egg. Okay. Like the yolk and the whites and okay. stuff like that. Like one in nine eggs that you eat has active salmonella bacteria in it. Right. Um, even if it's fully cooked and you eat that. Yeah. You know, and so we we're all, always freaking out about like um, uh, meat and, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. and getting salmonella. But it's like… We have an immune system for a reason. Yes. And yep. one in nine eat has salmonella. So you got to have faith in your body's <laughs> ability to be a body. <laughs>
1: yes. And I think that's why it's even, again, I know I've said this a hundred times, but like focus on that gut health because you need that healthy bacteria and you need your stomach, you know, like you need that acid in your stomach to break down food and all those other important functions to fight off things that like… You know, you might wash your hands, and you might clean your vegetables, and mm-hmm. you might cook your food well. But, like, I mean, you're going to be exposed to these things all the time. Mm-hmm. So, if your gut health isn't really up to par, then you might be more prone to get sick. I
0: yeah. want to ask you about… Um, are there any advancements that you think should be made in your field? Any, any like… um preconceptions or or beliefs within like the professionals in the field that's kind of holding them back from from adapting their techniques or are there any any is there anywhere within the nutrition field where we need to move forward
1: right it depends on like what like professional you're talking about so And I'm not going to say one's like better than the other. I'm not going to start a fight here on this podcast. But there's holistic nutritionists like myself. And then there's registered dietitians. And both play really important roles. Um, I have friends who took the more like traditional nutrition route. And that's really important. They work in, you know, long-term care homes and hospitals. And they have to have really precise measurements for people's like food. And like, because they might be like severely diabetic and all of that, right? Like there's, Mm -hmm. that's really important. I would not be able to do that for someone. Um... But I've also had clients who've gone to like dietitians and I know this is not all of them. I just want to stress that. I know some of them are amazing and like take a holistic view. But they've gone in with their husband and their husband had diabetes and they said, well, you just need to switch from regular Coke to Diet Coke.
0: Mm. And it's like... I've seen that.
1: Or how about just like not drink Coke?
0: Coke, <laughs> Coke drink water. <laughs>
1: how about just maybe mix it in a water every once in a while. Um, and again, like not all of them are like that. Some of them actually even take holistic nutrition schooling after they're like intense university schooling. Um, but I think there needs to be more of that holistic approach on the holistic nutrition side of things. It can vary so much because a lot of us niche down into different like areas. Like I focus on digestive health where some focus on hormones, um, like maybe just fertility, even within hormones. Like it's, so we all have our different kind of ways of, practicing nutrition. Um, One thing that I think is really important is to kind of be a little bit more balanced in our approach. I think there's a time and place to put someone on a stricter protocol where, you know, like, let's say they come to me and they have, like, an actual, like, gut infection of some sort. You know, we need to, like, you know, exclude some of these foods for a period of time, get you on some supplements. But, like, life is too short. To like only eat spinach Mm -hmm. and like broccoli and like plain baked chicken for the rest of your life. Um, I think it's getting a little bit better, but I've seen so many people in the health and wellness industry and in the nutrition industry like push. It almost seems like a diet culture, and I don't think they're realizing it. It's like, well, this is what I eat in a day. like, And I've been guilty of that when I first started. I'm like, here's what I eat in a day. It's like, no one cares what I eat in a day. Mm -hmm. Also, like that might not work for the next person. Um, So, yeah, I think it's really important that we focus on, like, also living our lives, creating that balance, so we don't create, like, a negative relationship with food, um, which I see a lot with the clients that I see. And Mm -hmm. they don't even realize they have a negative relationship with food. So, yeah, just, I mean, that holistic approach, but also just being realistic about it and not being so, like, strict about, like, the whole clean eating, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned…
0: Rather, you insinuated that just eating like spinach and chicken breast and vegetables and stuff for like every meal would be healthy. What about the micronutrients there? Because that seems like you're just hitting your macros.
1: Yeah. So like, yeah, that's a thing. And like, I always uh, tell people the classic like Instagram, and I'm not like trying to speak negatively about these people. They're trying to promote like wellness. Maybe they're not like trained in it, um, but you see they're like, here's my meal prep Sunday. And it's like, five containers of just chicken, broccoli, and like rice, that's great. Maybe like for dinner one night, and maybe lunch the next day, like once a week. Mm-hmm. But you want to switch it up because if you're just eating the same things, you're just getting the same nutrients all the time. Um, I'm not saying chicken's bad. I'm not saying broccoli's bad. I'm not saying rice is bad. But again, like you said, the micronutrients, you want to get a wide variety of fruits and vegetables. Um, like the different colors in fruits and vegetables have different nutrients, right? So if you're just eating... Really bland-looking food all the time. You're probably just going to be getting the same nutrients. Like you want mm-hmm. to get eat foods that are like high in antioxidants, like blueberries, right?
0: So just so should we prioritize those micronutrient-rich foods then, like blueberries every day?
1: Not, not or, necessarily. Or a week,
0: like once a week, or
1: you know, I honestly think it depends. Um, people get really stressed out about like you know the macros and the micro like nutrients and making sure they're getting like a certain amount. I tell people just eat a variety of foods. So when you're going to the grocery store, like try to get a little bit of everything and you don't have to eat like a carton of blueberries every day. Like maybe it's just, you know, you have a few blueberries on like your yogurt or maybe like you're getting it in the form of frozen blueberries or frozen fruit in a smoothie, right? So don't try to overcomplicate it and be like, okay, so this meal, I have one antioxidant. I have, I have my protein. I had like just,
0: That's where I was heading. I yeah. was going to ask like, so how can we eat the same thing every day and get everything that we need?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I don't Don't get too stressed out about it. Um, okay. It's all just like about balance and also listening to what your body needs. It, If you listen, it'll tell you what it needs. Like, it's crazy and I, it's a skill. Like, don't just think like tomorrow you're going to be like, wow, I know what my body needs. <laughs> like, this took me years of like practice to be like, you know what? I really need like red meat like my body needs it tonight so i'm going to have it whereas like some nights i'm like my body needs like chickpeas and like a salad just mm. tune in to what it needs again that's a practice that's interesting like. it's
0: it's happened to me once okay um I, it was totally random and uh jess and i were just hanging out and just like every cell in my body was like i want to eat an avocado <laughs> <laughs> and i had never i've never had an avocado mm. before at this point yeah and i was like can we get guac? Yeah, and so we went out and we had some guac, and it was the best thing that I. It, it just felt like it filled a hole in my soul. Yeah, and ever since that, I've had like an avocado every day. Yeah, since then.
1: It's like and maybe you just need some fat. Yeah, right? I think
0: that's that. That that was it. All I was eating was chicken breast, broccoli, and rice, mm. and there's no fats in that really.
1: Okay, and that's so interesting. Yeah,
0: I mean that was at the end of my like bodybuilding yeah. phase, and so all I was eating was the bodybuilding meals and right. So. How would you recommend somebody starts to get in tune with what their body needs?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Because that happened
0: randomly to me, and I don't think that I I could bring it about on purpose.
1: Yeah. Before you just, like, go in and just start, like, rushing to make dinner or, like, lunch or breakfast, like, literally just pause and be like, like, literally—I know it sounds, like, super corny, and I'm not a corny person, so, like, I get it. It can be, like, really uncomfortable— and you don't have to do this out loud. Like, don't stand in front of your friend and be like, what do I want today? <laughs> um, but you can honestly just ask yourself, like, like, what does my body need? And just, like, see if, like, what's, like, the first thing that pops into your mind. Okay, if it's a bag of chips, like, that's probably more of a craving than, like, <laughs> intuitive, like, need. Mm-hmm. Not saying chips are bad. Like, enjoy them in moderation. But, um, yeah, like, maybe your body's like, I need eggs this morning. Like, I'm, I really need some protein, you know? Also, think about it, too. Like, what are you doing that day? Like, are you going to, like, go work out right at— Like, are you doing a hard workout, or did you just do a hard workout? Like, your body's probably going to want something a little bit more substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like, before dinner, instead of just being like, oh, I'm just going to rush and make this. Like, maybe you're like, oh, I just really need something warm and comforting. So maybe I'm going to have something a little bit more heavy on— in the carbohydrates and the starches. So I'm going to have, like, pasta, right? Mm-hmm. Or, like, maybe I'm just feeling a little, like, heavy today— you know, I've kind of felt a little off. So maybe I just need something a little bit lighter. And you know what? If you have something a little bit lighter and you find that you need a little bit more, then eat more. But just give your body that time to actually recognize that instead of just like shoving it. Mm-hmm. That's, again, it goes back to that mindful eating as well.
0: Yeah. And speaking of mindful eating, do you think people should count calories or just eat? Just eat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am um, someone who does not like the whole calorie counting thing because not all, all calories aren't created equally Mm -hmm. so I mean like things like coconut oil and avocado are super healthy for you right but if you like were eating those regularly and you looked at the calorie count you'd be like okay cool so I guess I'll just uh, 600
0: calories there yeah
1: I guess I'll just uh not Not eat dinner not have dinner right which is such a dangerous way to look at it um our body metabolizes those fats differently than like you know Fried chips. food and yeah. chips and stuff like that. So just keep that in mind. Um, again, it's listening to your body. And I know this is a really hard thing to do because, you know, a lot of us have like blood sugar imbalances and we just eat when we want, what we want. So the hormones that tell us what, that we're full or hungry might not be working mm-hmm. properly. So you really have to get in tune and be like, you're eating your meal, you're eating slowly. That's when you're going to be like, oh, actually, I'm full. Like, I don't actually need to eat everything on my plate, right? Or you are so in tune that you eat more and you're like, wait a little bit. And you're like, no, I actually, am still hungry. So, I am going to have a little bit more and not have guilt around that. Yeah, so don't okay. count calories.
0: Don't count calories. Yeah, okay. Just
1: just tell, like just listen to your body if it's full or not. Make sure you're getting those healthy fats, those healthy sources of protein, healthy sources of carbohydrates. Don't be scared of them. Like, they're not… The mo- like they're not the devil, okay? <laughs> like, have them if your body needs them.
0: If you feel hungry throughout the day, should you eat or should you wait a little bit? Because I understand that um, ghrelin is the uh, hormone that makes you want to eat, but after like five minutes, it um, if you don't eat something within five minutes, like the ghrelin just kind of stops being produced because it's like, okay, well, we're not getting any food, so we're gonna just wait on that.
1: So. One thing I tell clients because some people just like eat based off a like, commotion, right? Mm-hmm. That's also an issue or they're dehydrated. So sometimes you might actually think you're hungry, but you just need to drink water, <laughs> which is really interesting. So it, you if you're like, I shouldn't be hungry because like I had a meal like recently, try drinking water, wait about like 10, 15 minutes and see if you're actually still hungry. I'm not saying like live off of water. This isn't Mm -hmm. like a water like fast right here yet. I want to make that really clear. But be like, okay, no, I was actually just really dehydrated. I just needed water because it can get mixed up, which is interesting. So
0: would that mean that dehydration triggers ghrelin?
1: I'm not super sure on like the like science behind it, but it is like, yeah. (laughs) I feel like guys are like, I need to drink some water. (laughs) Honestly,
0: I (laughs) realized. So I've been just a sideline here. Like I've been… I've been trying to drink a lot more water actively, mm-hmm. and it's really, really hard yeah. because I don't think that I'm thirsty. Yeah, I just exist. Yeah, you know. Um, but as I'm forcing myself to drink more water, I am so much more thirsty now than I was <laughs> like a, few, a week ago or whatever. And it's like I, your
1: body's like waking up. It's like, whoa, what's what is happening? this goodness? What Give is me this some hydration?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. What do you? want to learn because like we're lifelong learners mm-hmm. and so where would you like to take your education? In?
1: Oh my gosh. This is a good question because I've been nerding out like crazy lately mm-hmm. on uh, this hormone testing which I won't like I'm hoping to offer it in the next like two to three months maybe. But what it is, it's basically a dried urine sample. Um, which you can do at home. What's that, sorry? A dried urine sample. So it's like a piece of paper that you basically pee on. Um, For females, you have to do it a certain time in your cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually days like, I think it's 19 to 21 in your cycle. So hopefully you're familiar enough with it. Mm -hmm. And you pee on these four pieces of paper at different times over a 24-hour period of time. And it tells you so much amazing information. (laughs) It tells you like your estrogen levels and, like, I know you can get, like, your, like, serum tests, like, blood tests for, like, estrogen and progesterone, but these actually show you how you metabolize these estrogens mm. and, like, how they're detoxed. So are they being detoxed down a good pathway in your body and out, you know? Like, do you have good bowel movements and that excess estrogen's actually being excreted? Or is it being recirculated in your body? It tells you your cortisol levels and, like, what levels there are at different times of the day. So are you, like, really high at certain times and really low. Um, It tells you like your testosterone and your DHEA, which is really helpful for females, especially if they have like PCOS symptoms. So if they're like, no, know, might have hair thinning, maybe um, a hair growth in like other places, like on their face that they don't want, um, low libido, weight gain, like fatigue, acne this test might kind of get, shed some light on that because it might show them that they're favoring high androgens. So like, high, like more like mm-hmm. the testosterone and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's good for someone like myself. It's like, okay, so like, now we actually know what's going on in your body. Um, it doesn't, so it doesn't tell you this progesterone needs to be done through blood samples, Does that make sense. But it can show you how progesterone's metabolized. Which is pretty accurate to like the blood test, so that can be helpful, especially for females who might be experiencing like irregular like periods and things like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm sorry, I'm like getting carried away. I'm like no, so excited. I, I'm really interested I'm, like, about that. It's so cool. Um, I did it on myself, <laughs> and I was like, oh, interesting. Okay, so uh, cortisol, a little uh, crazy here, so need to manage that. Um, so it can be really enlightening because I kind of figured that was going to be high. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a high-stress person? I am a high-stress <laughs> person. I'm working on it because I know it's really bad. Um, but yeah, it's the test was really interesting. So I've been um, doing a ton of research on that so that I can really familiarize myself with how it works. Um, because it, if you actually see what the test looks like and the results, it can be like, what the heck am I looking at? It also tests for um, other things like… Um, certain vitamin levels, which might be associated with um, hormone imbalances. So, mm-hmm. that's something that I'm nerding out on lately. So, stay tuned because I'm hoping to offer that in the next few months. What
0: is it? What are the requirements for you being able to incorporate that into your practice?
1: You have to be, like, a certified, like, nutritionist or dietitian or, like, naturopathic doctor. So, you can't just, like, you can't just, like, sign up and be, like, (laughs) yes, I'd, like… I'm doing it now. I actually think you could technically order it yourself to, like, do the test. But, like, to actually be a practitioner who, like, analyzes the results, you have to. Um, And the company also gives you, like, training with, like, their doctors to, like, go through, like, Mm -hmm. the tests and stuff. So, I've been doing, like, case studies and… Like, I mean, I probably could do it now, but I'm someone that like wants to be super thorough.
0: <laughs> You're reading case studies. I'm interested, are there any peculiar cases that you've come across or…
1: With like this testing? Yeah. Um. Mm. So, because I'm pretty fresh into it, they've been like pretty like standard. So, like women that might have like high androgens or might, you know, have like PCOS related symptoms… Um, Women that might have excess estrogen is like super common. Um, Sometimes they actually have like really high estrogen. Like there's E1, E2, E3. So they might have like high in a couple, but like low in one of them. Like I had a really low estrogen, like E3, which was like pretty much like in like the postmenopausal like (laughs) range. I was like, well, that's neat, which is like really good to know at this age because it can also like lead to things like osteoporosis down the line. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh dang. Um one thing that I found interesting and I so I can't like speak too much to it is the male side of it. So there's like one you can get specifically if you are a male mm-hmm. cuz it's a little bit different. Um so I really want to learn more about that because I'm not super familiar cuz I always work with women.
0: Women, yeah.
1: So like for me looking at like a male test, I'm like well, what's what's happening? Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and they like still get tested for things like estrogen. So like maybe they actually do have like really high estrogen mm-hmm. and that could, you know, be leading I, to symptoms.
0: I've read about about that. Um, because mm-hmm. there's um anything that's processed or packaged has estrogen in it to I don't know how it works, just to package it more. Yeah, like canned food has estrogen in it. Yeah. Um and so um the result of all this estrogen in everybody's diets, girls are developing earlier, mm-hmm. and boys are developing later. Yeah, and, and that's and that's an effect of like all the estrogen in the food. And so and so, um, they're talking about how when blood tests are done on men, like the standard deviation has changed a little bit. Like the the standard uh, level of estrogen and or hormone balance in men has changed because of what we've been doing to our bodies.
1: Yeah. And like, and I know like people make jokes and make fun of men, but like it can produce like, like breasts and man males, boobs, yeah. right? And it can like lead to like weight gain and things like that. And it might not even be super obvious. It might just be like, oh, like, like, you know, you hear guys making fun of like friends and they're, like, oh, like, you know, they have like man boobs and because they are gaining weight, but actually could maybe be from like a hormone imbalance, a hormone imbalance. right? And also there's things called exenoestrogens. So they're, Um, mimic estrogen Mm -hmm. um, which is really dangerous in our body and we get them from like personal care products um, and like like that we're putting on on our face and our arms right again right so like um, I actually just did a post this morning funny enough like talking about different toxins that are in personal care products but some of them do have these xenoestrogens, and that just adds to that estrogen toxic load Mm -hmm. and that can be like males you could be using products that are also overburdening like your your liver and your digestive system. Because again, it comes back to that digestive piece. So if you're not, don't have good gut health, you're not getting rid of that excess estrogen. It's just getting reabsorbed into your system, which is like what causes these symptoms. Mm.
0: It yeah. makes me curious about makeup. Because if like stuff's absorbing into your skin, how is that affecting the development of the microbiome? Oh, Because yeah. I remember when we were younger like going through elementary school um like kids look different now because like g- kids now are wearing makeup in yeah. elementary school which they is look older than me yeah, like what oh, the man. heck is happening i feel like such an old man now because i'm like kids these days are all
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm like not even that old oh my god they're so <laughs>
0: i know <laughs> it's so weird but like things are changing pretty quickly yeah but that's a whole other topic it's like i'm curious about how uh, now that i know that makeup is being absorbed to the skin like in addition to all the processed food that we're that we're seeing, like how is like say girls wearing makeup younger and younger affecting the development of the microbiome, or if, if at all? Yeah, Could, I mean,
1: like I don't, I can't like really say for no. sure, right? I don't know, but I would suspect that it would be detrimental because, like, that's a lot of work on your liver, right? It's like the chemicals from like all the stuff you're putting on your body, the cleaning products, the air that you're like breathing in, the the medications that you're taking. <laughs> even if it's Advil, right? Like, it's just, there's just so much that we're consuming every day, whether or not we realize it. Um, So yeah, like I don't recommend really anyone to put toxic products on their their bodies. So like, yeah, as like a young female that might be doing that. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of years of toxic overload.
0: I (laughs) have had a lot of fun chat with you. (laughs) I want to, the final thing that I want to add yeah, up yeah. on here, um, if there are any other tips that you have for anybody to start improving their health mm-hmm. uh, now or even how to go inward and start noticing when things are off because i going to see a nutritionist or a specialist like cost money and for the yeah. low budget people, yeah. um, what can they start doing? Yeah. Start figuring themselves out.
1: Okay. So actually funny you just said that because I just, I have a free resource that I have on my website now. Um, And it is like around gut health basics. But I have like a gut health journal in there.
0: A gut health journal. So
1: you can download that and like track how much like water you're drinking. So of course, one of my tips is to drink more water. Um, And also like track like your bowel movements, which I know might sound (laughs) kind of weird. But, uh, you know, I'm assuming a lot of people probably don't track it like you and I do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just even like taking… You know, note of what they're like, especially, you know, and also the food you're eating, not to be like, what food am I eating? Because I need to like watch what I'm eating more so to see if there's any correlation. You're like, oh, I drank a lot of beer this weekend and my bowel movements were really bad Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just kind of becoming a little bit more aware. So if you don't really have those like internal like cues yet, because again, it takes time. Um, writing things down can be helpful. Like, how did you feel that day? Like, did you experience any like digestive issues? What have you eaten the last few days? Did you also just not drink water? Like, are you constipated? But you also like had no water and five coffees. Like, just yeah. things like that, right? <laughs> um, so that's something you can do. Um, I can even like send you the link to that as well, so people can find it easily. Um, sleep. Like, like some people come to me they're like I'm really tired. I'm like. Sleep. Sleep. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> you just paid me money to tell you to sleep. <laughs> Some people just need that, like, accountability. So there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But um, sleep is so important for, like, like, I could have, like, a whole book about the things that it supports. I actually just had a podcast episode launch this past week with a sleep, sleep consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gives a lot of amazing free tips on the whole sleep thing for adults and kids. So... I recommend you check that out because that's like her. That's her jam.
0: She in London.
1: Yeah, she's actually based in London. Oh, she's cool. bedtime beginnings is her business. Her name is Brooke Honaddle. and she's a lovely human. And yeah, she gives like a ton of free tips about sleep on that podcast. Um, stress management. <laughs> After I told you that, my cortisol, <laughs> are cortisol levels went like, crazy. <laughs> actually, they were so low because my body was just like. Why are we producing cortisol anymore? Clearly, she's not going to listen. So, we're just going to like flatline on that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Yeah.
0: Um, d- another question about those tests. Like, is that something that you would take, um, say, monthly or something so you can get a longer data— a, 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 some longevity in the data set or—
1: Well, I mean, if, I mean, if they were cheaper, I would say, yeah, that'd be great if you could take them every month, but they're quite pricey. What's the cost? Um, about like $200 to get that done. I mean, if you are like suffering from like a lot of these symptoms and you have no answers from like your doctor and stuff, I mean, I think it's worth it if you can afford it. Um, Shouldn't it be free? I know. Shouldn't like, all of this be free? Oh, I wish. I wish even for myself. Like this is coming from someone who also needs these tests, right? Like I wish I could have this done monthly. Um, but even if you can get it done like yearly, if you can make that into your budget, if you are someone that's experiencing like pretty intense like hormone imbalances… Um, It might be good just to kind of check to make sure everything's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, how can everybody get in contact with you?
1: Okay. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Simply Nick Nutrition. And that's also the same for my website. Um, You can send me a message if you ever have questions. If you want to just like chat. I'm pretty easygoing. So, and you can tell I like nerding out about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So feel free to send me a message on any… Of those platforms, send me an email if you want, and I would love to get to know you.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely push some people to your website. Yeah. And you have your own podcast.
1: I do. Yes. I just launched it this past year. <laughs> I had to think about that. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what time of the year it is. <laughs> yeah. It's called the Random Wellness Podcast. Um, and it's a mix of solo episodes, um, conversational ones with my. Friend Avery from mind moves and then interviews from other like health and wellness professionals and even like other business owners. So yeah.
0: That's cool. I'll, yeah. I'll give that a
1: listen. Yeah. It's on, you can find it on my website too. So cool. Yeah.
0: I'll check that out. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Oh,
1: well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: This has been people of passion. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Nicole for making it in. Check out Nicole on social media. And if you found value in this episode, please share it with others to help us grow. Follow us for future episodes. And as always, follow your passions. Thanks so much.